everybody. Welcome to the Mediocre Podcast. This is Josh Stewart. Very excited today. We've got Ashley Carlotta with us, a founder, owner, and coach at Better Health by Accountability. And you can find her at betterhealthbyaccountability.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. How are you? Hi, Josh. I'm doing awesome. It is, uh, it's beautiful in Texas. It has been hot literally every day for, I think about four months now. And so it's going to be a high of 87 today. And that is like bliss right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I lived in, in Texas, uh, several times, uh, as a kid, I was, I was born there and then I moved around a bit and I lived in Austin, uh, Oak Hills in Austin there. And I remember, uh, okay. You know, fire ant hills that came up to, you know, my chest and, uh, <laughs> you know, hunting yeah. rattlesnakes and all those things. But uh, mostly the things that were fascinating when I was a kid, uh, tarantulas that I would set my hand down and let them crawl up on my on my arm. And yeah. my mom's going, why? Why are you doing this? I'm, no, it's awesome. Look, you know. So, uh, well, welcome. Thanks for for being with me. So I was uh, my, my understanding, and I'm going to ask you is, is you are, you specialize in sort of health, nutrition, uh, exercise, lifestyle changes to help people sort of realize a healthier, a healthier way of living and hopefully a happier, easier life through those, those changes. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say you nailed it. And you, you are one of many coaches at your organization at Better Health by Accountability. You guys, uh, you guys have quite a few coaches yeah. that, that walk people through this. Yeah, I have four girls that work with me. Um, about a year and a half ago, business just exploded and I could not take on as many one-on-one clients. And we do have some small group coaching programs once in a while, but one-on-one for me is where it's at. I'm a relationship girl and I believe in having that daily accountability with somebody on your shoulder to support you. And I just think that that's where the results come. So yes, we mostly do one-on-one coaching and all of my gals that work for me are trained and we're on a group text and we're texting all the time and gaining knowledge and stuff. So it's so fun. They're, they're my best friends. So, so I asked, I have to ask this, you, you had indicated we, uh, Ashley and I had a brief conversation uh, prior and you had indicated your own. First of all, you're married. You've got three kids. Uh, yep. Congratulations. Uh, I assume you still like all of the participants in those things, the husband, the kids, you know, that's yeah, good. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, you had indicated that you had had um, some undeveloped self-esteem or you've had some, some, no, that's me. That's my notes. You've had, you've had some body issues since you were age six. Yeah. And, and before I ask you about that, I want to tell you, I have you know, I have my own version of, of, you know, just cripplingly low self-esteem or underdeveloped, uh, self-esteem, um, just a, a difficult time finding a sense of value of worthiness of sort of, you know, being an adequate participant in life. So I have my own version of sort of some of those, I would say they can all go maybe into the self-image bucket uh, that I believe I could trace way, way, way back into my childhood as well and see some of the origins of those. But to say specifically body issues from the time you were saying, I don't even think I was really paying attention to my own body at six. So how does someone have body issues, body image issues at age six? I know it seems crazy, right? And my middle daughter is seven and I'm already seeing some you know, ways that she's doing comparing and stuff like that already. 
Um, I had to be in a Nutcracker show, which is funny because I ended up dancing my whole life. But when I was six, I hadn't started dancing yet. And I had to wear a leotard and tights. And I very much knew from comparing around me that I was bigger than the other girls that were wearing the same thing. They were, you know, thin, small. A lot of them almost looked underweight, you know. Um, And I do remember walking out of the grocery store one time with my mom and she did say something to me. I love her, but she was like, Ashley, like stick it in, like you stand up straight, you know, you need to have better posture and stick, you stick your tummy in. I think that that's maybe where I first started realizing like, okay, maybe, I mean, maybe my tummy is a little bit big. And then, you know, am I, I probably started thinking, am I fat? And I think that's where the insecurity really started, you know? And so I'm really, really trying to not make comments like that and, and really try to teach my kids about nutrition, um, and about not restricting and not commenting necessarily on each other's bodies. My son, actually, I overheard him. My son is 10. I overheard him. The kids were in the pool. He said something to my daughter, Brinley, who's seven. He said, Taylor's a lot skinnier than you. I heard him. And I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. Like, this is where those comments, like they kind of start, you know? And so I pulled him aside later that night and had a conversation with him just about how we all grow at different speeds. I said, your sister is very healthy just because she has a bigger body than, you know, this other girl, Taylor that doesn't mean that she's fat or unhealthy. So anyway, that's where it started for me. And, um, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Sure. And that's so particularly tough with, with children of that age, because of course, you know, don't get me wrong. I think we've all seen children that, that appear to be dangerously overweight at very young ages, but that is certainly not most kids, you know, most kids, whether they be a little bit bigger or a little bit small, you know, they're all still just in this growth spurt place of like, yeah, you might look a little bigger today, but in a month you might be super skinny and gain two inches or so, you know, just so you don't want to get too, you know, wrapped up into, in, into that. It's, it's a little tough to start doing BMI stuff on a, on a six or seven year old, you know, cause it'll right. change tomorrow pretty rapidly. But, um, I want to tell you, there was a time I was, uh, it spoke to me about the culture in America. Um, my partner and I were at uh, Red Rocks Canyon in, in Las Vegas, probably the, the coolest thing that I ever saw in Las Vegas. I've only been there once. I think that was enough. But <laughs> okay. Red Rocks Canyon, you park and you kind of walk out to this beautiful little outcropping of these rocks. And it's this really cool, like jutting Red Rocks thing out in the middle of the desert there. And we were pulled up to the parking lot and there's like this pathway to the gift shop. And then this pathway past the gift shop out to this thing. That's clearly the destination. And there was this, you know, I would say dangerously overweight dad that gets out of the car and his highly concerningly overweight child that gets out of the car with him. And the kid looks at dad and goes, dad, are we going to walk over there? And he points to the red rocks and the dad goes, Oh no, son, you could never walk that far. I swear to God in, in, in my, you know, my partner and I look, Oh my God, of course you can walk that far. We're all going to walk that far. That is exactly what we're doing here is we're walking that far. That is why we're here. And it's not a big deal. I mean, this had to be, I don't know, a quarter mile or something. This was not a big thing. So, but it was fascinating to me, the, 
the fact that somebody could think that and then say that you could never do that. Wow. And, and yeah. also clearly we won't be doing that. Um, it's just sort of, yikes. I wonder why we're all overweight wow. <laughs> or is it possible that there's some, some mental stuff, uh, that, that gets us there. So, so talking about the, the, the young people with, with the, the body weight stuff and how there's this, this self-image that no question, man, I, I would say we all men and women certainly have been accustomed to being fed, you know, media-based images of what we are supposed to look like, uh, how skinny, muscular, uh, beautiful, put together, whatever we're supposed to be. You know, you think of something like Barbie, the Barbie dolls, or, <laughs> or all, all of these things that, that society contributes to the magazine covers, the tabloid covers, just movie stars generally, a lot of musicians, you know, the big famous people are often, let's be honest, you know, very attractive, very put together, very fit people. And they're certainly idolized and, uh, and all that. And it's, it's tough, especially in a, an age of social media to not want to contrast and compare and, um, and, and sort of shoulder the burden of trying to be as good as, as attractive as, as, as fit as whatever. And I, I certainly appreciate that everyone ought to enjoy, um, a positive self image and, and be, uh, and appreciate their own value and their own adequacy and their own worthiness and their own lovability and all of those slightly deeper underlying things that can really feed a need to be fit, attractive, whatever. But underneath there is just, we all kind of want to be loved. We want to be adequate. We want to be a part of the club. We want to be in with our fellow humans. Um, I, I get concerned when I see things swing the other way in pop culture. And we, we seem to be seeing a lot happening these days. I'm, I'm noticing a lot happening these days where we seem to be celebrating people for being comfortable with body types that they probably shouldn't be comfortable with. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And that's, I mean, that's the opposite side, right? It's like, okay, well, wait, let's just adjust the media landscape to sort of re-wrangle folks who do not fit this mold, who maybe we are too far on the fit, healthy, attractive end of things. So let's actually say, no, no, no. But you too, though, because look, you know, our models are you know, 40 to hundred pounds overweight. Uh, hey, look, you know, um, this, this person, we celebrate, you know, them for, you know, being themselves and, and, you know, doing it and just you do you. But the fact is like, yeah, but you doing you is going to result in diabetes and heart disease and, and you doing you is dangerous. You're going to die. Like, it's not yeah. okay. We're all concerned. Glad that you're, you know, you have self-esteem for sure. But also though, what are we going to do about that weight? You know? Yeah. I mean, and these kids are watching like the tickle tackle. <laughs> My husband and I joke that TikTok. And they're watching these things and they're seeing these images and they're seeing these people and they're seeing the comments of people like, go girl, or hey, yeah, I mean, you look amazing. You're beautiful just the way you are. And yeah, maybe they're a very beautiful person, a kind person, a nice person, but they're not healthy. They're not healthy. They're not obviously eating the right things or they're eating way too much of it. And in my opinion, we should never be celebrating like a 50 inch waist size. Like you're going to die early. It's that's not okay. That's not good. 
Um, and that's not something to be celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it seems to, to actively contribute to a culture of let's just have some more Cheetos and watch some more TV. Cause, cause you're just doing you and that's, that's, you're good enough. You know, it's like, you are good enough, but also though, let's continue to improve in areas that are dangerous. Um, the, the national Institute of health estimates that 42% of Americans qualify as obese. Yeah. Now this is based on a, a body mass index of 30 plus. I'm, I'm not going to get into the weeds about how reliable or effective BMI is or all that. But regardless, even if you think it's a pretty poor metric, that is terrifying. That is a, a, a horrible um, stat to, to consider that 42% of us would qualify as medically obese. And I, and I do think it's important to draw a line between folks, for example, who are um, you know, recovering from some sort of uh, you know, surgery or disease or something that required that they were immobilized, uh, completely crippled their metabolism. They might have some, um, you know, they might have to take medications that result in all sorts of crazy wild stuff. I mean, there are a lot of people who with their best of efforts can pretty much eat water and gain weight. And it's just, you know, that's not the folks that I, that I am mostly concerned about in the sense that it's the optional ones. It's the ones that it really is just, it's lifestyle stuff. And don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't blame the, um, the, the, you know, the 42% of Americans for being in that camp. I think it's us. I think we have created a perfect storm of obesity here. Um, whether it's through subsidizing the wrong things with farming, you know, and incentivizing, you know, big, big, ugly, horrible foods that, that can feed the masses for super cheap. Um, whether it's, you know, our own push. I mean, I'm a child of the eighties, you know, microwaves and carnation instant breakfast and hamburger helper and, and, and TV oh, yeah. hungry man dinner, all this crap, this garbage, fake food, I'm air quotes food. It's stuff you can put in your body, a lot of chemicals, a lot of preservatives, a lot of crap in between our desire for expedience, for cheap, for fast. And let's be honest, some of those foods are super tasty, super salty, super so, I mean, they feel good to eat, mm -hmm. but they're horrible trash for your body. And, and a lot of us, I, I think, didn't ever even learn how to cook. We didn't learn how to source ingredients. We didn't, we don't understand the basic elements of what are inside of the things we're eating, much less what ought to be inside of the things we're eating. Um, I think there's a, you know, a time component. A lot of us suffer the, the socioeconomic impact of just, we're busy. We're just busy, man. And so, yeah, another hamburger helper tonight. I'll definitely cook something real tomorrow. And that mm -hmm. turns into a whole week and a whole month and years and years. And you're just mostly eating garbage. Um, and, you know, I will say, I, I think some of us that are currently alive, we're also at the depression era, depression era, the end of that where we inherited some of our grandparents' ideas of like canning foods and preserving foods. And so the idea of canned food, boxed food, I mean, this all just became okay. And of course we were raised on a food pyramid based on breads and cereals. I mean, we were just lied to like, yeah, you should just pretty much live on cat and crunch. And then, you know, everything else on top of that. So no wonder, no wonder we have these issues today. What is your, where do you start with that? When trying right. to ferret out the hows and whys and whats and, and somebody comes to you, I don't know, I feel like I'm doing okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm way overweight. What do I do? Yeah. It's so hard because back I'm an eighties kid too. And like my parents will tell me 
I don't think you carried around a water bottle like these kids do these days. They have their water bottle and they take it to school with them and all that stuff. Like we had juice. We had Capri Suns. We had squeeze it. So remember those. And she's like pretty much with every meal and with breakfast, like you had your cereal and you had your orange juice with that and you had your apple juice with lunch. And so she's like, I think a lot of the problem was that we were they were feeding their kids too much sugar and they, and they didn't know any better. Like they didn't have Google the way that we have now, you know? And so what's upsetting to me is that we have the knowledge now. Like if you want to be healthy for the most part, you can get on Google, you can start doing your research and you could do it if you really want to. But I think a lot of it is laziness. And I think that that comes from being too busy though. It's, it's from, thinking you're too busy to plan out your day to get a good meal on the table. It's, you know, we idolize the word busy in our culture. Oh, I have this and this and this and work is crazy. And I just don't have time. And we're prioritizing those things over our health. And so my job is to go in and be like, look, yes, we run fast pace. We are busy, but how can we once maybe say no to some things that we need to say no to. And two, how can we start gradually having these healthy habits come into your life, come into place, you know, whether it's drinking just a little bit more water throughout the day, maybe it's eating a vegetable like at lunch, which you would never do in the past. You would just slap on (laughs) some Turkey on a sandwich and grab some chips and go about your day. Um, maybe it's going out for a walk on your lunch instead of just sitting on your butt all day long, you know, and then maybe you start doing that twice a day if you're not working out yet. So I come up with a plan for my clients and I hold them accountable daily, multiple times throughout the day, make sure that they're having a breakfast, make sure that they're having their lunch, that they're having a snack. Because if you don't have a snack between lunch and dinner, a lot of you who eat at seven or eight o'clock at night, yeah, you're going to go crazy, crazy town by that time. And you probably already snacked a bunch on like crappy stuff as you're even like making dinner. And if you're not making dinner, you're going to go to the takeout and get it. And, oh, then you're, and then all my clients who open a bottle of wine at night and they drink the whole bottle because they've just had such a long day and they're so tired and they're trying to, to calm down and de-stress. And there are so many other ways to do that. And so that's why I think health coaching is so important. I think it started out kind of taboo, but now it's like, oh my gosh, I might actually really need this. Somebody to come on like to the side of me and support me through my journey. Yeah. But I appreciate you, you seem to feature the accountability it's part of the name of the website, part of the name of the company. Um, and it's interesting because I do think I, I, I can't help but draw parallels between at least overeating um, and, and addiction. Um, and I, and I say that because I, I do think, I know I've seen in myself, boy, there are times when I want to eat my feelings, man. And my feelings are a sleeve of Oreos, you know, like I am just, I can just want that comfort, that immediate sense of, oh, okay. You know, you get, you get some satisfaction. It's short lived. I feel like a trash truck immediately following that, but you know, at the moment and, and, and I do think one of the difficult, really difficult things that, that is very different about, say, treating drug addiction or alcoholism versus dealing with eating stuff is abstinence isn't an option with food. You, you have to actually forge a functional, healthy relationship with it. It can't yeah. just not be a part of your life like alcohol. You've got to actually 
figure out a way to have a healthy relationship with us. I have, I've had the pleasure. I'm, I'm 46. I'm in surprisingly good repair considering how much I abused myself as a kid with all my partying and, and stuff. But I, I would like to take this opportunity, for example, to tell you that yesterday I ran my first half marathon ever. And Whoa! that was awesome. And Great. Um, yeah. So, and people do occasionally ask me, you know, what do you eat? How do you, you know, tell me about how you basically, how are you healthy? You know? And, uh, and it's, I, I, I asked a fella, a friend of mine to spend, spend the next week and just put on an Excel spreadsheet, every single thing that you eat put it in there, show me what you're doing, you know? Yeah. And, and one of the most useful things that I, that I have noticed that it seems like people that kind of struggle in this department uh, don't do is they don't cook their own stuff. And, and I mean, I really do think a lot of us, I don't even know if home ec is still a, still a, a, a class anymore, but a lot of us have just gotten so used to the takeout, the restaurant, the, the pre-made, pre-packaged, frozen, canned, boxed stuff that we quite literally don't know how to make stuff. And I, I kind of break it down to, man, I eat really, really good, tasty, delicious, awesome foods constantly. And I eat constantly. I eat a lot. Um, but I also am very active. I burn a lot of calories. But I'm also, I cook almost everything I eat. I yeah, mean, that's great. I, I go out a, a couple times a week probably and get either a takeout or whatever, but, but it's like, it's the exception, not the rule. You know, I, mm-hmm. I mostly make real food from real ingredients at home. And even if you just do that for a while yeah. to just reacquaint yourself with what ought to be in food, what the basic elements of food are. Because it's really hard to be at home making your own dinner and you're like, and then I'll just grab some, some uh, sodium silicate and throw that in there. Now I'm going to grab a little MSG and put, you know, now, I mean, you, you're not going to put sulfur dioxide in your own food. You're not no. going to do that. Mm-hmm. That would be ridiculous, you know, but you'll put fresh, delicious ingredients that you feel good about eating. And next thing you know, you start enjoying that, that feeling. I mean, where do you see people's relationship with cooking and sourcing ingredients coming into their overall lifestyle. Well, yeah. And I think, like you said, I think it's more of a time thing. I think people get overwhelmed that they have to make like some huge recipe with all these ingredients and stuff like that. And it does not have to be like that. It can be very easy, but I think it also needs to be simplified. And I, I need, I think people just need ideas. And that's part of what I do. I give them meal ideas for what you can have for your meals so that you're not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and looking up some recipe and it has 15 things that you have to go buy. Um, and you're right. It's the, the branding of the frozen things that they have. It's, it's misleading. Um, a lot of times it'll say like organic healthy meal, but it's, it's processed. And when it's processed it has ingredients in it that aren't going to be as good as making it yourself. Um, and you're right. It's, it's what you do most of the time that matters. I mean, my kids wanted to go to Chili's last week. Like we still go to those places once in a while, you know, but I'm not going to sit there and have 27 chips with salsa before my meal. You know what I mean? You just, it's about becoming mindful about what you're doing and then also eating intuitively, which so many of us don't do because we're eating while we're doing something um, and listening to your body when you're full. If you, and not even full, full, but like I've had, I've had enough to eat. I might be 80, 85%. I can save this for another time. Um, and part of what accountability does is having to send your meals to a coach 
It's having them not only see your portion sizes, but also give you guidance about what it is that you have on your plate. And then also thinking about, again, am I full? Have I had enough? Am I overdoing it? Am I actually chewing? (laughs) Do you know how many of us don't chew our food? It's like you're swallowing it down before your next Zoom meeting you have, you know? And so being able to schedule your life out in a way where you do have some time to prep things. Some people like to do that on Sundays. I personally don't. I'm more of like a go with the flow. Don't like to plan too much person. So I like to think out my day in the beginning of the day. Okay. What are we going to have for dinner? I asked my husband to put out, um, some ground Turkey for tonight. We're going to have that with some cauliflower rice and mix it all up and probably put some other vegetables in there. There's some coconut aminos and some spices and it healthy food can taste good. I promise it really can. If you just yeah. put a little work into it, you know, and, and it can feel so good. I mean, yes. I, really, I mean, I, I jokingly say, I feel like a trash truck after I eat some bad stuff, but I, I really have inadvertently basically, I, I mean, you know, I, I find myself in this place where like eating cake just I don't know. Most of the times, no thanks. I'm just, I'm not in, don't get me wrong. I will eat cake. Cake's delicious, but dude, I just, I don't love the feeling. I don't, I don't, I, I can't help but kind of look at food these days as what's in this for me. What is right. in this thing I'm about to put in my body that will actually give me any nutrients, any protein, anything useful at all versus how much of this thing. And I'm picturing like a McDonald's hamburger or something. How much of this is just garbage that my yeah. system is going to do what it can with, deal with it, try to process it and get it the heck out of there because it's just nothing. There's nothing here. At the end of the day, it's just trash for your body, but it's packaged up in this lovely little container that's super tasty, makes your mouth water, but ugh, it's it's not food. This is not, <laughs> we, we have these weird ideas about what it's like, no, that's that's not food. That's not food. When you mention accountability, I think um, it's, it's tough because I do, I again, back to the addict alcoholic thing. I think having accountability partners and having um, somebody that you're, you know, communicating with about what you're actually really, really doing is invaluable. Um, I also think very much like, like any sort of addiction at the end of the day, the only person who is ultimately responsible for what you put in your body is you, right? You get to ultimately do this. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, seems very much like a, you know, a drug counselor or something can help you kind of get off the drugs, get started down a path. But at some point they're going to have to kind of, you know, move on and allow you to go have a life. And now you need to know how to interact with food and with health and with exercise in such a fashion that it's good for you, that it feeds you, that it leaves you happier and more energetic and more excited to, to be alive. Um, So ultimately we are, we are all accountable, I I think to, to ourselves, but we, we can certainly be invaluable in each other's lives by sharing our experience and, and saying, Hey, I noticed you have cake on there three times on Tuesday. How many birthdays were there? What was going on on Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. Well, lots of celebration there. Right. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, and especially clients that I have that really struggle with binge eating, which is an addiction. Like you said, it's very emotional. Oftentimes they will be working with a therapist and, or a counselor, like with, um, one of our accountability coaches, because I always preface, like we are not therapists. However, I do have a lot of tools for you. And just like you said, you do have to be accountable to yourself as well. And you have to be willing to put in the work to figure out why it is you're doing what you're doing. 
And if you're not willing to do that, you're just, you're not going to overcome this cycle of eating so much food, feeling horrible about it, and then going on the next day and restricting yourself again and feeling like, okay, well, I can't eat this because I did this last night and the shame and the guilt and the disappointment in yourself. If you need help, like reach out for help. Like if you've been struggling with this for a really long time, like get help for it. How terrible to continue in that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just, so so that the listeners don't think, um, that either myself or Ashley is over here fat bashing, we're, we're you know, fat not. shaming. Right. I, I want to point out that when we, when we talk about this health stuff and I really mean it, man, you know, your, your self-image is, is that's, that's all you, that's where you are with yourself. And, and I, it, it affects me not in the least, um, what you look like as that relates to how you feel about what you look like. Don't care. What I do care about is is some basic realities. For example, the reality that heart disease is the leading killer of Americans. It is the number one thing that kills people every single year in America. The causes of heart disease, poor diet, high blood pressure and cholesterol, stress, smoking, obesity. Mm-hmm. We are still um, experiencing the horrific results of this COVID um, pandemic. And, and I, I think it's really worth noting that, you know, those with obesity had a 3.1 times higher risk of hospitalization from COVID-19 and were 1.4 times more likely to uh, develop severe illness when hospitalized. I mean, they were admitted to an intensive care unit and needed invasive uh, mechanical ventilation or died. Right. This is not unique to COVID. Um, I have family that's in healthcare. My stepdad is a respiratory therapist. My mom was an intensive care nurse. There are, is, is hardly any physical ailments, disease you can have that isn't exacerbated and so much harder to treat when you are significantly overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it puts so much strain on the body. Your, your organs can't handle this stuff already, just general daily life. And we look at something like COVID comes along. And if you're already in that obese state, your body can't handle it. It can't tolerate that additional strain. This is not just a, a vanity thing. This is no, a not at life all. or death thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was something that was frustrating to me too throughout this whole thing is it just blew up and everybody was to just stay inside, which I get it. I get it. We didn't know what was going on, but nothing was being done about like, all right, how about everybody get healthy instead of just (laughs) throwing a mask on and going about your life the same way that you were before. You know what I mean? Like why wasn't it a, a huge wake up call for heart disease and obesity in this country, but it what, but it wasn't. Nobody, nobody was talking about that. You know, <laughs> I, I will say Bill Maher was talking about it. I, yes, I, I often enjoy yes, Bill Maher. He's been, yes, he's been you're banging right. that drum for a you're good right. while. You're right, and it's one of his less popular rants. But it's like, man, he's not wrong. You know, there's we're in a weird place culturally with with obesity as we try to both support each other and also not die, you know, right. and I, we're maybe right. a little bit heavy on the support, a little, little forgetting about the not dying of obesity part. Right. So, um, 
And, and I also, you know, there are things just, just organ wise, you got to know that when you are carrying a bunch of extra weight, things that I wouldn't normally associate with just being overweight, like maybe being sluggish or having a hard time moving around or being active or something like you, you tend to develop gallstones, fatty liver, um, which can diminish your liver's ability to function. I mean, you can die of some weird shit when you're, you know, generally unhealthy. Um, and and I want to say, you know, my own experience has been the slow build of, of growing more and more aware. And you mentioned mindful eating and, and it sounds so, I don't know, like theoretical or some, some foofy, you know, meditative thing, but it's like, no, um, what am I doing to myself, to my body? You talked about this sort of not even chewing our food, this mindless shoveling of trash into our faces. And it's like, no, I, I need to pay attention. What am I putting in my body right now? Because frankly, it's easy to fall into a rut where I can start trying to justify a fast snack and easy mentioned a bag of chips a couple of times, you know, I mean, chips hardly find their way into my diet ever. Um, they're fun at a barbecue or something, but it's just not really, it's, it's not a vegetable. I don't consider no. chips a vegetable. <laughs> this is not, this, this is a, a trash food. Um, and those sorts of the, those snacks, man, uh, we gotta be aware of that stuff and it, it, it you gotta start somewhere. And I, I say, you know, just cause you can't do everything doesn't mean you shouldn't do something. And right. I think there can come a point for a lot of people where I, I feel like it's too far gone or, Oh, I'm not going to live on, you know, egg whites and protein powders. Like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Nobody said that. No nope. said anything like that. We're going to find you a happy, healthy beginning. Let's yeah. begin making a start. Let's do something. You don't have to do everything today. Well, nobody's asking you to change everything today, but let's change something. Let's improve in some area. Right. Right. And even with the kids guys too, like we're their role models. Like you, we've got to do something. We've got to teach them. And when we're going to the baseball games and the soccer games, and we're bringing them crap to eat after the game, we got to stop that. We don't need to bring them cookies and soda and Gatorade to celebrate their win. Like let's bring them stuff. That's actually going to fuel your body, their bodies for the game that they just had you know, and just teach them what balance looks like. Like if you are going to bring like a celebratory cupcake, great, but like, let's bring maybe some apple slices or something to like balance that with too. Let's show them what balance looks like when they come from, from school, let's not let them grab, you know, some Oreos and some Cheez-Its and go about their day. Like, let's actually give them like a good snack to get them to dinner. Um, so that's something that I, empower and encourage a lot of moms that I work with too. It's like, come on, they're watching what you're doing. If you're eating the fishy crackers too, that you're pouring out for them. What's, you know, what's that showing them that that's, that that's good. That's what mom eats too. Um, and, and to what you said about not doing everything today, I a hundred percent believe that. Like, I don't think that you're going to be successful if you do change everything in one day, you know, you need to just pick a couple of things that you can do differently at first, stick with those, be consistent, probably my number one word that I say to my clients, just keep being consistent. You mm-hmm. will become more healthier and the weight loss will come. But the reason why you initially reach out to a weight loss coach or a health coach or an accountability coach should not really be about the weight loss. Yes, it's going to help you. It should be to learn how to be healthier. It really, that should be the number one reason. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Ashley, about 15 years ago or so for me, I was diagnosed with degenerating disc disease, um, started having a bunch of weird back pains and muscle spasms and weird 
weird stuff. I would lose my legs sometimes, couldn't feel my leg and just Aww. all of the things that go along with that. And it was terrifying. I mean, my whole world, I mean, I immediately in my head, you know, oh, I'm going to be crippled. I'm going to be unable to work. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be homeless. I mean, it's just, you know, my whole world just collapsed in my own head. And thankfully, you know, I kept pursuing whatever the next indicated thing was to try to mitigate this thing and to try to, you know, in my case, find any uh, non-surgical options to, to mitigate that and try to move forward and remain ambulatory. And, and again, yesterday I, I ran a half marathon, you know, yeah. I, uh, I continue one. Now, one of the things that went along with that was, you know, strengthening my, my core and my trunk mm-hmm. and, and eliminating additional weight. Now I've never been a particularly giant person, but I, I at times probably weighed about 30 pounds more than I do now at my heaviest. Um, and, but even when this was happening, I was already pretty healthy. So there wasn't, it wasn't a lot of low hanging fruit. There wasn't a lot of like, oh yeah, you can just lose 20 pounds and boom. I didn't really have 20 pounds to lose. Um, but I did start doing all the stuff and started improving. And that was part of paying more attention to what I'm eating, how I'm eating in my exercise. And I had to find exercises that worked that wouldn't twinge out my back and make me just cripple up with, with these shooting pains and everything. Um, and I, man, I've come so far that like, it's, you know, yeah, I wake up every day. I sound like a 90 year old person trying to move my body from a point. Oh, yeah. It's not like I'm dying, but you know, once I get moving every day, I, I can do pretty impressive things for somebody who, you know, 15 years ago was, was looking at, you know, such a dire right. prognosis is what I thought. Now I know, I believe that you also, uh, have your own, uh, condition, you have rheumatoid arthritis. Is that right? Yeah. So it was titled juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was diagnosed with it finally at 16. And it took a long time for a doctor to diagnose it. I had to go see like three, four doctors. I was getting all this blood work. I hated getting blood work back then. So it was like terrible to me. Um, but yeah, I lost just like my joints, they would swell, they would hurt, they were inflamed. Um, and I had to really figure out what nutrition, what good nutrition looked like at such a young age. Um, and it was like, my parents were relearning like what that was too, you know, and just realizing all of the different foods, like, you know, ramen, I'm pretty sure I had top ramen like every single day. (laughs) So good. Um, and just, I had to figure out, like you said, exercises that I could do. And now I was like big into dancing, like the leaps and the slides on the floor with the knee pads. And so my doctor, my rheumatologist actually suggested that I stop dancing for a while, um, that I was probably never going to be a runner and that I should stop skiing as well. I like to go snow skiing in Tahoe when I lived in California and that was devastating to me. And so I would still, I was, I told my mom, I was like, I'm not, I'm not stopping going to dance. Sorry. Like I was so stubborn, but I would just pop like for ibuprofen and go, and I would still do the thing, which I'm not saying you should do, but I was just not going to let this like affect and ruin my life. And so I just started taking little steps here and there to just improve what I was doing, especially mostly with what I was eating. And then that did help me like lose weight in the process too. Cause again, I was never totally overweight. Now, when I had my first son, I did get up to 200 pounds for my five, four frame, that was another story, but I was, you know, maybe 20 ish pounds over where I wanted to be. And so slowly, but surely I was able to get down to a range that I wanted to be in. 
And, but my reason for doing it wasn't for the weight loss at the time. But then I was like, Oh, this is how you, this is how you eat. This is how you can feel good with more energy and wake up feeling good in the day and stuff like that. So by the age of, I think I was 20, um, I started just really lowering my dosages of the medication that I was on. And I was realizing that I, I wasn't needing them like nearly as much anymore to the point where I was able to get off of them altogether. And I mean, my mom will say also that she believes in the power of prayer as well. Like that's something that we're really passionate about. We would pray about it. We would pray for healing. But I think between all of the things we were doing, it just got me out of a really bad place. And if I would have kept gaining weight from where I was, it would not have made my situation any better. Yeah. That's funny. My, uh, yeah, I was also advised to stop running Ugh. for obvious reasons. If your discs in your back are dying, stop jump, jumping up and down on them. So I did follow that advice for several years, but it was one of the hardest things to not do. And <sighs> God, I just love it so much. Anyway, so it's, so these days, my bad decisions are, are in the health direction, right? Like I, I you know, I want to go run though. I want to go run. Yeah, so, I know. Um, I actually hate running, but I, was I got into a group with the, these girls that were. And so I was determined. I was like, I'm going to run a 5k. Okay. Now I'm going to run a 10k. And then after I ran the 10k, I was like, that's far enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I commend it. you for doing the half. Like that's, that's amazing. That sounds like torture to me, but good job. <laughs> Thank you. I can finally walk uh, today about right around noon. I started being able to move around normally again. So that's oh good. Gosh. Um, so let me ask you, what is the most common trap that you'd like the most common mental trap that you see people fall into that keeps them from making improvements? Um, I really think that it's like a lack of motivation. I think that if somebody has, for example, 50 pounds to lose, I think that they think that the, it's going to be so far and so hard to move the needle that they, they just, they don't begin, you know? And if they do begin when they're on their own, a lot of times they'll do really good for a week or two. And then they fall off. And I know even for myself, when I was trying to lose weight again, after I had my three babies, it was like, unless I had somebody like that was going to meet me at the gym, unless I was like logging my stuff into my fitness pal or something like that. Like I had to have something to hold me accountable. Um, I would tell my husband all the time, all right, no ice cream this week. I mean it. If you see me with the ice cream, smack it out of my hand. Now that doesn't work so well with your spouse. I, I will tell you that. So that's it's good. <laughs> it's good to have somebody else. You know what I mean? That you can turn to and just talk about that. Like what you're struggling with. That's something that we do as we get on calls too. Like I'm, I'm texting my clients daily, but every two weeks or so we get on a call and we talk about what's working, what's still not working. Where do we need to tweak things a little bit here and there, you know? And, um, I just think it's, it's especially a lot of the moms that I work with or people who are just working like a ton of hours. It's they're pleasing and they're taking care of their boss, um, their manager, their kids, their spouse, and they're just leaving themselves last. And they may think that they don't have the time or the space to do things, but oftentimes they need to speak up. Oftentimes they need to ask dad if he can watch the kids for an hour at night, if that's the only time that you can head to your favorite gym class or just put on a YouTube video in your bedroom, whatever that looks like, you know, and, um, you know, you have to, you have to ask for things that you need. Um, and you do have to do a little bit of work when it comes to planning your food. You do. 
Um, and that's something that takes time and you build habits with doing that and you will not regret eating at home most of the time once you get started. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, the accountability stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm guilty of, of using like social media to tie a can to my own tail. There you go. Like announcing that I'm going to do something to my little social network. Cause now I'm, now I've got ego and pride that'll make me do it. Now that's kind of twisted and perverted, but the fact is there's no wrong reason to do the right thing. So who cares, man, if I can take my own bad stuff of ego and whatever and use it for good. Cool, man. I'll do that. I don't care. At the end of the day, I did the thing. So, you know, yeah, I think there's, there's value in these, these accountability, um, moment. So, well, right. And there's also just keeping promises to yourself. You know, why are you going to tell yourself in the morning that, okay, I'm going to get my workout in. I'm going to do it at noon because that's when I have a break between da, da, da. And then if you just don't do it, like, why would you break a promise to yourself and continue to do it over and over and over again, then it just becomes a habit. And then you can't even trust yourself (laughs) or believe in yourself at all, you know? And so I think people really need to take that into consideration and think about it. Like, why are you, why are you doing that? You know? And so that's part of the process too. I, I really believe in doing like some journaling, um, and not necessarily like meditation. I know for me, like my ADHD brain is kind of all over the place. So like, I can't really do that, but even just taking like a few minutes to settle and do some planning and maybe write out some things of why you did what you did that day is so helpful. And I'm so for it. People don't want to take the time to do that. You don't have to take a lot of time, but you know, just like with therapy, you have to put in the time and do the work to make change, to really make change if you want to. Yeah. When you had mentioned uh, some, some people when they, they fall off, you say, you know, uh, doing good for a week and then just fall off. And, and I think what you're referencing is not just, oops, I, I slipped up. I had a donut, but I had a donut and then ate the whole box of donuts and then drank a six pack of Coca-Cola and then, and then, and then, and it is very much an addictive type of thinking of, well, you know, I, I went and I had a beer, might as well get good and drunk now. And then you're on oh, a six yeah. day bender. And, and what we inadvertently can do, man, is we can wind up effectively creating and reinforcing our own negative feedback loops where we have just given ourselves more evidence to support the fact that, well, I'm never going to be able to do this anyhow. Cause look, I just tried. It only worked for a week. Then I fell off. I ate the whole box of donuts, blah, 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 blah. So what's the use anyhow. And then we just get right back to eating trash and it's, we're doing that all. We are actually mentally tricking ourselves into this line of thinking and then creating evidence to support our own case that we should just eat trash. And so there really is like somewhat of an overhaul in thinking that seems like it has to be made. Like, for example, you know, it seems to me, so you slipped, you ate a donut. Okay. You're allowed to stop there. It's actually okay to just stop at the donut and get right back on track. Okay. You know, but we don't do that. We're looking for a chance to justify the complete, you know, uh, relapse or whatever you want to call it into bad behavior. And it's like, I get it. I get it, man. I'm a whole sleeve of Oreos guy. I have one, might as well kill the whole thing. Um, which is why I don't buy Oreos. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't really need them. So I got, we got to go ahead. No, I was going to say that's that all or nothing mentality. And I had that for so many years. I, I remember when I was going to orange theory years ago and I still hadn't quite figured out my stuff yet. And it was, 
I would go and I would want to make sure that I burn like 600 calories. And for me, that's a lot. So I was, I was working it in there just so that later I knew I could go to like the local brewery and have a couple beers and indulge on the whole nacho plate. Like it was just bad. It was all about calories in calories out. And then I slowly learned and realized, okay, there's more like, you know, a cup of broccoli is different than a cup of ice cream, you know? And, um, it's not so much about the calories. Do you need to be in some sort of a deficit to continue to drop weight? Yes. But you also need to be fueling your body with the right things. And with that, with doing some strength training and some exercising and other things, you will see the body composition and you'll start looking the way that you want to look, you know, and it, it, then it's not so much about calories. A lot of people that I work with aren't eating enough. They're constantly in the diet restrictive mentality. And I mean, they've, they've stalled their metabolisms and they wonder why, oh my gosh, I only eat this and I'm still not losing weight. And so there I come in and I'm like, dude, eat more. You need more, add more to your plate. You know, it's like a broken record. And they're like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. So leave it surely. Then their inches start dropping and they're like, oh, I guess there is something to it, but they're scared. They're mm-hmm. scared to eat more. Um, and that breaks my heart too. So that's something that I really love, um, helping people with. I like that. The more holistic approach to what are mm-hmm. we, what are we putting in? What are we, what are we doing during the day? Yeah. So I want to play a, a quick game for you, uh, with you that, uh, I kind of hated. I was on a podcast as a guest and oh, great. wanted Wonderful. to do these. No, she wanted to do the, what's your favorite stuff. Okay. And I don't like that because oh, I don't ever have a favorite, you know, I, I I, it depends on the moment, but okay. I wanted to do some relevant stuff here. So, uh, what is your Ashley, what is your favorite food that isn't good for you? Oh, you know, I'm going to go with pizza. I am. I love it. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that you sort of recognize, you know, subtly that it's not a, not a healthy food. <laughs> you no. know, like, yeah, it's, 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 convenient. Not. it's easy. Yep. So pizza. All right. All right. What is your actual, uh, favorite exercise, your favorite thing that you actually really enjoy doing to move your body? Oh, that's easy for me. It's any kind of dance cardio. I could do that every day. I do this class called high fitness, which is just like super fun, high intensity dancing. I also do a Zumba class every week, which is fun and brings my sexy old mom self out. (laughs) Um, yeah, those are like for sure my favorites. And then I also love like a good hit workout too. So I do enjoy the high intensity things. And I think that that's just because I'm kind of an intense, aggressive person. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it helps me, you know, get all my aggression out and stuff like that. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of those things too. I like to know, I like to know what I'm doing, you know, I like mm-hmm. to feel what I'm doing. Yep. Um, so what is your favorite, or maybe I should say most common excuse for eating poorly on the occasions that you do deviate from what you know is probably mm-hmm. ideal on the pizza days? What yeah. justified that? Yeah. Oh, being tired. Absolutely. By the end of the day. And even if I have something planned to make for dinner, it doesn't happen very often anymore at all, but it's like, tell my husband, dude, I just, I just don't want to cook. I'm just tired. And it's mostly, I think like mentally, mentally tired too. It's not even physically. It's just like, I don't want to think or do or do any dishes. So yeah, that that's what the emotion would be for me, you know, or 
I would say back in my twenties, it would be when I was really like upset about something or disappointed about something, but I can, I can say where I am now, like, that's not a reason that I would eat. And I'm so thankful for that because, you know, we get upset and disappointed about things all the time in our lives. It's a, it's a daily pizza party in my head. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So let me ask you, Ashley, um, before we get ready to wrap up here, what is a message that you would offer to the folks that I think we are both interested in sort of talking to today? Yeah. Um, I would just say you don't need to wait for uh, January 1st (laughs) to get started on your health journey. Just you can start today by making like a slow change um, to better your health, honestly. And even if you have a lot of weight to lose, even if you have a little bit of weight to lose, like there, it's not a race. It doesn't need to be a race to get there because if you focus on doing it quickly, um, you're not going to stick to it. It's not going to be sustainable. And so just have that mentality. That's like, this is going to be a journey and this is going to be a journey that you're going to work on for the rest of your life. Like, I don't get to sit here and be like, I have everything all put together and everything's fine and dandy. I have to work at my health and I have to make it a choice every day. So that's what I would encourage you to, to just don't wait, don't wait any longer. Yeah. Now's good. Now's yeah. a good time. Yeah. It's always yeah. later. Well, I was going to, I'll get better later. I'll, I'll work yeah. on that later. Now's or good. After, after the holidays, after Christmas, cause you're busy. No, just, just start now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ashley Carlotta, um, Ashley is the founder owner coach at better health by accountability. And you can find her at betterhealthbyaccountability.com. Um, Ashley, it has been just delightful to talk to you. And I sure appreciate your time today. And uh, we appreciate you swinging by the pod. I want to let our listeners know that the link to uh, betterhealthbyaccountability.com, where you can actually uh, seek a consult uh, and get more information about the programs uh, that Ashley and her team can put together for you. You can contact Ashley directly there. But those, those links will be in the bio of the podcast. So you'll be able to click right in there and be directed to that website and uh, get some more information. So Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. It's just been great talking to you. Thank you so much, Josh, for hanging with me. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I hang out there a lot and I show a lot of my own personal journey and stuff at Better Health by Accountability. So yeah, I hope to see you there. And a lot of my clients become my friends and stuff. And so if you want a new friend, come find me. Nice. All right. Thank you, Ashley. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.